everyone, and welcome to the Science and Policy Exchange podcast. My name is Sissy. I'm Linda. And I'm Eloise. And we are news researchers at Science and Policy Exchange, or SPE for short. We'll be bringing you all the latest science policy news from within Canada and around the world, as well as letting you know about upcoming policy events within the country. In today's episode, we interview Roseanne Renton, President and CEO of the Canada Foundation for Innovation, also known as CFI. We'll be asking her about her thoughts on the Canadian Youth Science Survey conducted by CFI and ACFAS, l'Association francophone pour le savoir, which examined the attitudes and opinions of 18 to 24 year olds on science in Canada. We'll also provide a brief update on the recent increase of $550 million in funding to 5,500 Canadian researchers from the Government of Canada. So, without further ado, welcome to SPE Talks. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural podcast for Science Policy and Exchange. Today, we have an extremely special guest. Um, Welcome, Roseanne Runte from the Canadian Foundation for Innovation. And we'll be talking about the recent 2021 survey on Canadian youth perspectives on science in Canada. Roseanne, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and how this survey came about? Well, the survey came about because it's the 25th anniversary of the Canada Foundation for Innovation. And uh, we fund research infrastructure for the universities, colleges, and hospitals across Canada and the big science projects. And of course, we're very interested in having young people, um, the next generation of researchers, be trained to work in facilities, to understand science, and to want careers in science so that um, that will continue to flourish in years to come. So it's our 25th anniversary, and we decided that rather than look back and say, oh, how great we were for the last 25 years, um, we could say that, of course, but we thought it would be much better to talk about what will happen in the next 25 years, and who better could inform us than the young people today. And at the same time, ACFAS, the Association Canadienne, Uh, for Le Savoir um, is going to be 100 years old. And so they said, why don't we collaborate together and do a survey together? And so we looked for a really good survey company across Canada. And we had worked with Ipsos before. And we had done 10 years ago a survey on youth with them. And so we hired them and they surveyed youth 18 to 24 years old, um, 1,500 of them across Canada, and they were really pleased with the participation rates and the acceptance to do it. So I think it's a great moment to talk about science. For sure, especially in the current climate with the pandemic and with all of these emerging technologies as well. Mm -hmm. I know the survey asked about some of these topics, but for you personally, what was the aspect that most stood out to you? Well, um, I guess the there were could I make a couple. Um, first of all, that um, something like seventy seven percent of youth think science is important, and they they also think that they could have a career in science. And that is really exciting. Um, It's important to me that the majority of them believe that 
um, the uh, environment and energy are important issues. And that, that is a, also a really important thing. Um, I think that it's important that they believe that science should be what advises our governments and that decisions should be made on fact and that they understand that science is based on, on fact. So this is all wonderful news for us. For sure, I completely agree. One thing that definitely stood out to me though was that 84% of respondents thought or believed that they're not good in math. And while they're mm -hmm. While their opinions generally aligned with science, they're more likely to say science is too intellectually demanding or that they don't feel well-equipped to distinguish valid science from pseudoscience. How do you think can we strengthen youth confidence in math and science? Well, the math problem, obviously math seems to be that four-letter word, um, has been a problem for all of the OECD countries. Um, they measure the the, the progress in mathematics and Canada has done pretty well. We're above the average and we have improved, uh, but there is space to go. And that space has two parts to it. Part one is how people feel about it and how confident they feel about it. And the other part is how well we actually do. And this survey raises the point that we should talk with the schools, with the young people, with their parents, anyone who influences them about the importance of doing mathematics because um, mathematics is a key for almost all the sciences. And it would be a real shame um, for people not to feel confident and not to pursue a career um, because of that lack of confidence. So that's uh, uh, one thing that we really have to look at. We also have to look at how we teach math. <clears throat> and um, the methodology and the, uh, and the results. So it is an ongoing conversation, but it, it, this question raises it and makes it higher profile for us all to think about. Um, and that, that's really important. Um, when you talk about um, young people, um, you know, the, in 18 to 24 years old, they're making those important choices in their career and they're in, and those, what they study will influence their careers and their careers will influence the economy of the country because when companies come to Canada to establish themselves and set things up, they go where there is a population of people who know how to do what they, they need have done. And so those companies will come if we have a really highly trained workforce. And uh, so it's important that young people uh, consider the future, their future, and the future of the country. Yeah, that's for sure. I personally, I'm uh, in physics and from a math background as well. <laughs> so I definitely know what you mean when we talk about this culture where students are a little bit afraid of approaching it. I remember back in high school, a lot of my friends were always like, oh, wow, you're doing this, you're doing physics, you're doing math. And that's definitely, I think, yeah, something we have to change. And, and that is very difficult to change. But you mentioned working with um, the how we teach math as well. And I know in Canada, we teach based on a provincial level and we decide what is taught 
in the provinces themselves. Is there a way that CFI is currently working with the provinces to maybe change these in order to improve these attitudes? Well, first of all, we uh, we love to um, shout out the good examples mm-hmm. and um, to say that people like you are poster people uh, for how you can successfully study mathematics. Um, We also know that it's not just working with the schools, but it's also looking where the young people are getting their information. Mm -hmm. And 10 years ago, when we did the survey, it said um, that that young people were getting too much information from television and and, um, video games. now, and now we move to our phone. Even mentioned video games. They're talking about Instagram and TikTok, and we have to use those methodologies or those media for informing young people. And that's starting to happen. Um, there's a really great example, Dr. Anne uh, Blakeney, uh, who is a professor at the University of British Columbia, has a whole TikTok series that she's done on. Um, why she's a scientist, um, what, how it's different to be a research scientist as a, or a research doctor as it is to be a philosophy doctor or the, the general practitioner that you go to when you, when you don't feel good. And she also talks about um, why you should get vaccinated and so on. And I think we mustn't be shy about using um, different media for communicating with people because when you write something, you want to be read. When you discover something, you want to share that discovery. So you have to figure out the ways that people are going to understand and see what you've done. So I think we have to look at what young people are looking at. Oh, for sure. Yeah, what surprised me as well about the survey was that 73% of respondents reported that at least one social media influencer that they followed had expressed anti-science views. I didn't realize that percentage was so big. And if there are educators that are already on these social media platforms, I wonder if there's a way that we can promote them more so that the young and the youth and students today are following reliable science sources. Um, But I think we also have to approach it from the other side as well. I know personally, um, in academia, a lot of professors use Twitter. But then if I talk to students that I teach in my class, they're not on Twitter. (laughs) No, Twitter's Twitter's the past. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm wondering from the CFI perspective, how do you think is the best way for us to bridge this social media gap? Is it a matter of encouraging students to look at different social media or is it more so getting educators and other people that are involved in science communication to adapt to these social media environments? Probably a little bit of both, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that we have a resource that is totally untapped in science now people talk a lot about citizen scientists that people in the community should be involved in science and actually can help with research projects in their spare time and become involved understand and then they become great supporters of science Mm -hmm. we have young people who can speak to other young people and you know there could be clubs in schools and um ways for young people to get together and they 
get out the message that needs to be heard that you know it really can be cool to like science <laughs> yeah for sure actually I wonder now that we're having this discussion I remember in high school I would have to get my 40 hours of volunteer community service maybe there's a way that CFI or ACFAS could have a program where you have some of these students get their 40 hours by promoting science to their peers somehow <laughs> Absolutely. And we've done competitions with young people across the country and, um, you know, for promoting science. And when the winners got to, we flew them to Ottawa. So they got to meet politicians and That's explain incredible. their views to politicians. But we also arranged for them to have courses, little, little, you know, mini courses with experts. So they knew how to express themselves on the media better. Um, so it's, actually also using the what we have so that young people can be equipped to to speak out and encouraging them to do so um, but also telling them that you know there are careers in science there are also careers in science policy there's also a career in science communications and those are really important um, the those, there were some people that are still reading newspapers, and they said they don't see good stories on science in the newspapers. Well, we need science reporters to send those stories to the newspaper for the small percentage that are still reading papers. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Yeah, what's interesting to me, especially in regards to science policy, science communication, I think this was something that I personally, as someone who loves science, only even recently discovered to some level. And I, and so in one page of the survey, there were potential interventions to strengthen science-led attitudes and to help focus on ways that we can help make this attitude even stronger. One of these was, for example, publishing the scientific method. But I also wonder if there's a way that we could also promote and teach how, for example, science policy works. Now that I'm someone who's very interested in science policy, it was pretty surprising to me and a little bit concerning, I have to say, that only 31% of respondents agreed that it or said that it was not critical that Canadian politicians and governments need to rely on science when making policy mm. decisions. But that was one of those double negative questions that gets in there to check the survey. Mm -hmm. So 30% did not believe that it wasn't important. So 70% believed it was important for the government to do it. I see. So turning it around, it's really a good thing. Um, you know, 70% of the population think that the, the government should be using science for decisions. That's great. It's mm -hmm. not so great that 30% don't think so, but there, you know, perfection isn't yet to be had. But one of the things that I always think about is um, I hear quite often people saying, well, you know, the next generation will have to solve that problem. You know, we're not going to be able to fix the environment. They're going to have to work on it. And I think that if I were just starting my career, I would feel like the weight of the world was on my shoulders and big responsibility. And I think that we need to remind people that science isn't just about solving problems and meeting challenges, but it's about the joy of discovery. It's about the satisfaction you feel when you learn something and, and can share that information 
that may someday be a solve, solve a problem, but not necessarily immediately, that science is joyful and the, 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 the feeling of discovery is absolutely incredible. And we need people to remember that uh, so that it's not only a heavy responsibility, but it's a passion that we can share in our lives. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with that. Is there any action now um, being taken by CFI or ACFAS to encourage Canadian youth participation in these scientific careers? So you mentioned some of these being flown out to Ottawa and encouraging mm -hmm. science communication and policy. But in general, what are we doing to encourage this joy <laughs> and spread it? <laughs> Well, one thing that we do uh, every single day is we look for successful researchers um, and young researchers across the country that are doing interesting things, and we publish their stories, and we put them right up on our, our internet page, and we send them out um, in blogs and wherever we can to make sure that people see other, uh, young people see others like themselves that are doing really good things. So I think it's that uh, publishing the example is really important. Um, I think that for us, getting the survey out and getting people to start talking about it means that more people will have more ideas. And you know, we, we're not the only ones that will solve the problems, but more the more people that talk about it and the more people that think about it, um, something good will happen. So a part of our job is to say what is good and the other part is to say um, here's some things that we did but here is something where everybody needs to come together and help it and make make it better and i think that this is a time when young people should be the ones that do a lot of the saying you know um, when there was a time when I was in that category and you know I didn't always like it when people would say well young people should do this or that I I thought I know a little bit. And I think so it's a time for young people to have a voice. I agree. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and starting the discussion between us and also between all of our audience members. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure and a privilege. And you as a scientist, I wish you great success. <laughs> Thank you. And I wish success to the continued CFI initiatives. <laughs> Thank you. On January 12th, the Minister of Innovation, Science and Industry, the Honorable François-Philippe Champagne, announced a major investment of $550 million to 5,500 researchers all across Canada. This news has been vividly discussed throughout the Canadian research community, allowing us in this podcast today to reflect on the state of research and development funding in Canada, which, as we will see, has been following a decreasing trend for several years now. Canada's science and technology sectors have suffered a steady loss of federal funding, dropping from an all-time high of 2.02% of the gross domestic product of Canada in 2001 to only 1.59% of GDP in 2019. Placing these numbers in the wider context of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, Canada seems to be underperforming, stuck below the OECD average of gross domestic expenditure on research and development. 
Let's take some examples. In 2019, when Canada dedicated 1.59% of its GDP to research and development, the US gave it 3.07%, Sweden gave it 3.39%, France 2.19%, China 2.23%, Japan 3.2%, and the list goes on. So looking back at the beginning of the 21st century, it is clear that Canada has persistently directed attention and funding to other national priorities. This is exactly what sparked the hashtag vote science campaign in 2021, to which the SPE participated with the goal of restoring the central place of science and technology in electoral campaigns and in the mind of Canadians. The recently announced investment appears critical to this effort to revive science and technology sectors, which have lost serious ground in the past decades. Now, getting a bit more to the details of the investment, the 550 million total will be divided between several different initiatives. First, 144 million will go to the New Frontiers in Research Fund transformation stream. The transformation grants aim at supporting large-scale interdisciplinary research projects focused on addressing major economic, environmental or healthcare challenges through scientific discoveries and innovations. The largest part of the investment, amounting to 260 million, so almost half of the total, will be distributed to scholarships and fellowship programs, rewarding more than 5,300 graduate students and early career researchers in many disciplines in every Canadian province. But it is the final 151 million of the total investment that has been the most talked about. It will be directed to 188 new and renewed research chairs at 43 different institutions in Canada. This particular allocation could help address one of the main challenges of R&D policy in Canada. As pinpointed by the recently published UNESCO Science Report, provinces and territories all have their own programs and strategies, but there is no national approach to science and technology, and thus no national vision. The major investment announced in early January seems to be a step in the right direction, but many questions are still pending, such as the timing of the payment and the detailed priorities of the government. As Canadian companies in many sectors, such as semiconductors, clean tech, quantum computing, and most knowingly artificial intelligence, are gaining international attention, it will be interesting to see in which fields the government wishes to keep pushing funding efforts. But as Martha Crago, Vice Principal for Research and Innovation at McGill University, told Science Business, we need to wait for the detailed budget during the next few months, which she says will tell the real story. Here's your update on coming events. The SPE Cafe is organizing an event on drug decriminalization for the late March. The Canadian Science Policy Center is calling for volunteers. You can find a link to submit a volunteer application in the description. The National Science Policy Network, the NSPN, has opened its four annual science policy writing competition. The competition is open to anyone who identifies as an early career scientist, engineer, health professional, or other science and technology policy-focused outer worldwide. An SPN membership is required for all hours at the time of a submission. The submission deadline is Monday, May 2, 2022. And from March 22 to 24, the Conference of the Investing in a Shared Science Diplomacy for Europe, the NCD, 
project revolves around historical research, informing the development of a framework for a European science diplomacy third, and a strategy as well as policy and training resources, catering to a variety of stakeholders. It is third open conference, free to the public and largely accessible online. The project will address the theme of science diplomacy, diversity, and the global south. Find the link in the description. And that's it from us. We are Science and Policy Exchange, or SPE for short, and we're a Montreal-based nonprofit organization aiming to foster the student voice and evidence-based decision-making, and to bring together leading experts from academia, industry, and government to engage and inform students and the public on issues at the interface of science and policy. We're one of the few bilingual student-led initiatives directly engaging the local political scenes and effectively bridging the gap between academia, industry, and government leaders. And if you'd like to join us, we encourage you to visit our website at sp-exchange.ca and fill out the registration form in the Get Involved tab or send us an email. You can also find the link and email in the podcast description. If you have a particular science policy piece that you'd like us to feature in future episodes, please contact the news researchers at SPE or interact with us on social media using the hashtag SPE Talks. Thanks again, and until next time. Soundstripe.